This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the State of Health, the podcast where patients put healthcare decision makers and thought leaders in the hot seat. I'm Gunnar Esaiasen. Today, we're continuing our antibiotic resistance series on the state of health with a three questions episode with Senator Michael Bennett from Colorado. So far on the antibiotic resistance series, you've heard from patient advocates, a politician, and an investor, all of whom are working to stop the next public health crisis before it begins. All the published antibiotic resistance episodes are already in your feed. Today, we're turning the mic to Senator Bennett. He is a co-sponsor on the PASTOR Act, which is proposed legislation that aims to overhaul reimbursement practices for antibiotics in the hopes that it will stabilize the antibiotic market for drug makers. The rule in a three questions episode is simple. The role of the interviewer will flip halfway through the show. Let's get to it. Senator Bennett, thanks for, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Gunnar. I really appreciate it. So I, I want to dive right into this. Uh, I spoke with your, your colleague across the hill um, a couple of weeks ago, Senator Young on the show. Um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm to start with the same question. Why should people care about antibiotic resistance? Yeah. Well, first, let me say, I, Senator Young is a great guy. Todd Young from Indiana, Republican. He's been a tremendous partner on this bill. And I think the, the bipartisan support we've got for it makes me optimistic. The reason people ought to care about antibiotic resistance is that bacterial infections caused by drug-resistant microbials, or you know, another way of thinking about it is superbugs, kill 35,000 people annually, but they are expected to be the leading cause of death in the world by 2050. So it's an issue that if left unaddressed, this again, this will be the leading cause of death, not cancer, not heart disease, not malaria, but infections. We can't continue speaking about re- resistant infections being the leading cause of death in 20, 30 years and not do anything about it. So it's very clear to me that we were unprepared for the COVID-19 pandemic and experts are telling us that antibiotic resistance can lead to multiple bacterial pandemics that would be harder to c- control and worse than COVID-19, which has been so costly for this country. And, and we should not follow that same playbook for AM, AMR. And that's why I've worked with Senator Young to introduce the PASTOR Act, which in our view is the strongest bill ever written to strengthen antibiotic development and improve appropriate use. PASTOR is an $11 billion investment that would help keep antimicrobials on the market, encourage development of novel antibiotics, improve appropriate use, and increase AMR surveillance to better prepare for future health crises. In March 2017, the World Bank put out a report calling AMR a threat to the global economy. They said that in the best case scenario due to AMR, the annual global GDP would fall by 1.1% or a trillion dollars after 2030. And in the worst case scenario, uh, it could cost the economy as much as 3.4 trillion. And they predicted it could happen in less than 10 years. And organizations like Pew and the World Health Organization, Carbex, 
and others are sounding the alarm that it could be even worse. So in the grand scheme of things, 11 billion to prevent a one to $3 trillion loss in global GDP should be the right investment to make, not to mention the lives that we're gonna save. Well, I, I can tell you, to me, I'm going I'm to use the same word that Senator Young used to, to, to describe this, and he said it's common sense. And you know, with that in mind, it, it certainly sounds like a common sense proposal, a common sense reform. And as somebody living through, uh, you know, the antibiotic, you know, crisis, people with cystic fibrosis rely on antibiotics every day. You know, I can certainly speak testament to, right. to exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Um, but I want to talk to you know. Let's let's dive in on the Pasteur Act. How exactly will the pat or can the Pasteur Act become law? What hurdles does it need to overcome? Well, it, what it really needs to overcome is the uh, is the dysfunction in 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 Washington D.C. You know, I'm hopeful that we can pass this bill this year. And and as I mentioned, it's bipartisan. We've got bipartisan support in the House as well. We also know the Biden administration is engaging on AMR. By the way, the CF community has been a huge champion of this bill and is making a big difference. I've had kids from Colorado, you know, lobby me on, on passing my own bill. I've suggested they could go talk to some other people because I'm already there, but it's great to have their involvement. And earlier this year, the Biden administration put out their first budget, which included investing in AMR development at HHS and through CARB-X. And a few weeks ago, I was happy to see that they included in their proposal to lower drug prices a plan almost identical, that is the administration did almost identical to the model in the Pasteur Act to invest in the development of novel antibiotics through a subscription model. And in light of the COVID-19 pandemic, I think the American people now recognize how a single virus can totally disrupt a society. So Congress is going to be taking a look at pandemic preparedness in the coming months. And I'll be pushing to with Todd to ensure that AMR and specifically the Pastor Act is part of these conversations. So I think momentum is on our side, but we can't let up. And I encourage all of your listeners to get involved in our effort to pass this bill. We really could use the help. The State of Health will be right back with Senator Michael Bennett. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So talk me through the economics of Pastor. It's a little novel in the way that it works. And you've kind of touched on it a little here and there. Yeah. You know, the, the gross output saved from this kind of investment is, is substantial. But uh, how exactly is Pastor going to work? Uh, you know, I've heard it, you know, likened to a Netflix model, to a subscription model. Uh, and why is it a new way of doing business in, in biotech? Yeah, well, the reason we need to do it is because the current market is broken. It doesn't work. And as you just said, you know, the Pastor Act, um, works like Netflix. We're giving uh, 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 the companies a guaranteed return for their product, but we're going to compensate them by, val by value, not by volume. As, as you know, we usually, the way we usually spend money on healthcare is based on volume, but this shifts that model for new antibiotics, which adjusts the incentives for pharmaceutical companies. So under Pasteur, 
HHS says to pharmaceutical companies, we're going to give you anywhere between $750 million to $3 billion to develop the next generation of antibiotics through a subscription con contract. And it creates a system where that payment is based on the value of drug to patients and ensures that drugs are used appropriately and not just because there is a guaranteed reimbursement every time they're used. In the bill, we spell out what value means. We, we call it favored characteristics. And these favored characteristics aim to describe the type of antibiotic that HHS will pay for. And the key word is novelty. We don't want to pay for antibiotics that are similar to the drugs that already exist because they're already being produced. And that's really critical to spurring innovation right now because there is no uh, payment system set up for uh, the small companies mostly that are developing these drugs. They're just going out of business. They're going bankrupt. And no, and there's just not an economic case for them to make these antimicrobials. With the Pasteur Act, they finally will have an incentive to do it and, and also an incentive for patients and to use it properly and for folks to prescribe it properly, which is critically important as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of like the undertone here, right? Antibiotics are so unique in the way that they have to be used, the way they have to be preserved, and the way the efficacy wanes over time. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, the role of the interviewer will flip. So now we're, we're at the, the unique part of the state of health where the yeah. role of the interviewer flips here. Uh, so yeah. I'd love to flip the microphone around and now give you an well, opportunity to ask a patient after the question. What we were just talking about, Gunnar, actually fits right into my first question for you, which is, as somebody who lives with a condition like CF, what is it like to rely on antibiotics of last resort? Well, you know, for me, uh, my, my journey with antibiotic resistance in such a severe way started uh, right around when I graduated from, from college in 2013, 2014. Uh, and I kept dealing with recurrent illness, right? I kept dealing with issues that perpetuated uh, without an answer, right? I kept trying to deal with, uh, you know, the pseudomonas infection that lives in my lungs. That's, you know, sort of a hallmark classic part of living with cystic fibrosis. And as the antibiotics were prescribed, they just kept failing one right after the next until we finally got down to the neuropenems of the world and the polymyxins and colistins of the world, which are just hard, hard drugs to be on. Um, and uh, a few weeks ago, a patient advocate colleague of mine, Emma D'Agostino, and I, we wrote about that in The Hill. We wrote an opinion piece in The Hill talking about you know, what it's like to be, uh, you know, on the receiving end of conversation with the provider that says, you know, we're running out of options and that's nowhere that anyone wants to be. And I think that's something uh, that I certainly hope uh, is resonating with the general public right now, especially during this COVID pandemic, uh, where it's just so hard to treat patients with, uh, you know, with, with either emerging disease, or I guess one, what, what once was an emerging disease. Um, and and I, I'm hopeful that people can draw parallels to this experience of the last 18 months to what a future experience in, a, in an antibiotic crisis would look like. I'm going to um, ask you, yeah, I'm going to ask you about your paper, but how, how would antibiotic options ch change your life? You know, I think it would be, um, you know, it would create a buffer, right? You know, the reason we're able to go hiking, the reason we're able to go skiing, the reason we're able to do all the things that we love is because we have this knowledge that there's a base of antibiotics sitting underneath all of us and, you know, and propping us up to be able to do those things, right? A scratch is treatable. A, you know, a very serious surgery is managed with antibiotics. In cystic fibrosis, transplants are managed with antibiotics. Antibiotics are part of the daily standard of care. And those things are all so critical but I think we're taking them for granted, 
right? We take, we take that we take for granted that we have these things in existence and that they will just stick around forever when you and I both know that's probably not the case. So I I think for me, I want to get back to that point where, you know, I'm not constantly thinking about the choices that I have remaining, the choices that I once had, and then comparing those two. I would, uh, by the way, invite you to come skiing or hiking anytime in Colorado that you want. It's, uh, I know there, there, New Hampshire has its own charms, but we're a lot sunnier there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think so. I think so. I can tell you that my, uh, as soon as uh, travel becomes a little easier for, for people with CF, I bring in my skis out west as soon as I can. Good, good. Well, you mentioned the white paper, and I just wondered, you know, how we should learn from COVID-19 to address <clears throat> antibiotic resistance, what the biggest lessons are you, you took away from writing that paper and what you've learned since. Yeah, so I, I wrote a white paper um, on antimicrobial resistance with the Pioneer Institute uh, in the summer of 2020. And my, po- my paper actually focused on a complementary piece of legislation, the Disarm Act, um, which calls for improving critical Medicare reimbursement for antibiotics uh, and promoting their appropriate use. You know, and I, I tell the story over and over again that I just finished business school um, and I had a guest lecturer in, in one of my classes and I asked a loaded question and I said, would you ever invest in a, new, in a novel antibiotic or a company producing a novel antibiotic? And the investor said, you know, I wouldn't touch that. I wouldn't t- touch that opportunity with a 10 foot pole. So I wanted to show what that meant, right? That, what that decision meant. And um, for me, it's all about the economic trade-off with COVID as a, as a case study, right? We as a society were forced to play catch up. Uh, and we didn't have the necessary detection systems in place. Essentially, we had to invent treatments and vaccines along the way. And the cost of developing those new treatments wasn't the only cost to consider. And you mentioned this you know, before. It's really about the cost of economic output loss, right? How much did, right. did, did, did society lose because we had to shut down or because we had to focus all of our attention to the emerging pandemic? Um, and in truth, we should learn from that and know that we need to invest upfront like the Pastor Act does to prevent another disaster from coming. So um, while that paper was about disarm and we're talking about Pasteur, you know, two sort of um, two sort of pieces of legislation that are sort of maybe trying to address the same thing in different ways. I'd love to see both elements, I think, uh, on President Biden's desk. I think that's for a person with cystic fibrosis or a person who like, you know, is dealing with these infections or people who will deal with these infections, because we know that those people are still out there, that you know, their their exposure to these things is coming. Um, you know, that's what we want. I think I want the president to deeply consider, uh, you know, what legislation like, like this can do. Well, um, I'm certainly going to pass along what you said when I see him. And I, I really am optimistic that we're going to get this done. I think COVID, as you, as you just suggest, suggested, ought to be a good lesson, an object mm-hmm. lesson for all of us. And we, we should get our work done as a result of that. Absolutely. I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. But uh, Senator Bennett, thanks for coming on the show. Really, really appreciate your time. I know it's a crazy time in Washington, yeah. uh, but this is this is an important issue to me, a lot of my friends. And I know it's important to you, too. So uh, couldn't thank you enough. Thank you. Thanks for having me and make sure everybody who's listening, call your Congress people and get them to support both these pieces of legislation. It's really important. Thanks. That's all for this week. Be sure to join us next week. New episodes come out every Wednesday morning wherever you get your podcasts. The Antibiotic Resistance Series will continue next week. You can follow me on Twitter at G17Esiason, and you can check out my website at GunnarEsiason.com. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe to The State of Health and then leave a rating and a review. 
A big thank you to Senator Michael Bennett for today's interview. State of Health is produced by Bob Dwyer. Thanks to Odyssey for making this podcast possible. We'll see you next week.